Good evening, and welcome to Plan Lehigh Valley, a monthly program that WDIY does in conjunction with the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission. Today, as always, we welcome our co-host, Becky Bradley, the Executive Director of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission, and Matt Asad, its Managing Editor. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Tonight, we also welcome Mr. Jeff Brace, the Chairman of the Lehigh County Commissioners. Welcome, Chairman. Good evening. Thank you for having me. You bet. This evening, we've chosen the timely topic of growth management. As the region remains among the fastest growing in Pennsylvania for people and development, particularly for industrial development and warehousing. Our guest, Mr. Brace, is not only a county commissioner since 2014, but he's a member of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission board and has worked with local legislators to craft proposed legislation to give communities greater control over development. So let's begin. Uh, Matt, we're talking about growth management today because it's really a topic on everybody's mind. Everyone sees the building that's happening around us uh, seemingly everywhere. How has this region grown? How, how, what's, what's happening? Well, you mentioned we are one of the fastest growing, and that's the current case, but we've actually been among the most consistent growing. Um, since the 60s, we have very consistently added another 4,000 residents a year, every year. You know, over that time, we've added 260,000 residents. That's like adding another Allentown, Bethlehem, and two Eastons just since 1960. So we are growing very consistently and quickly. And, and when I say quickly, currently, when you look at how really the country has slowed down its population growth and Pennsylvania has, you know, across Pennsylvania, 44 out of the 67 counties actually had a decline in population in this last census. But we actually had a 6% increase, you know, which is really triple the increase statewide. And there's really no reason to think our, all of our projections show that that's going to continue for decades to come. Um, even as population growth slows down, you know, in many places. So you can see how growth management will be a challenge and will be really important as we go forward. We've talked about this before, but if we could just remind our listeners, do you think this is because of the proximity of the Lehigh Valley in relationship to larger cities, New York and Philly? Well, certainly we're an attractive place to be, and we became even more attractive when the pandemic hit. Because people that could really work from home and could pick any place, we remain a region that is comparative to those places you just mentioned, relatively inexpensive to live. And we are close to world-class cities while being in an area where you don't have to deal with some of the hustle and bustle that comes along with being in those cities. So location factors into it a great deal. And now we have a world-class airport to deal with it, too. That's pretty nice. Becky, can you talk about how all the growth translates into the development pressure that we're seeing right now? Yes. Um, so the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission sees land development plans in the preliminary stage, so very early on, and we serve then as advisors to our local governments. Um, and the commission's role is, is very, very important. And I know Jeff's going to talk a little bit more about that. But in terms of professional planning staff, only seven out of our 62 municipalities have on-staff professional planning. And so the planning commission and the staff in our agency really serves as support for many, many of our local governments. Um, but back to your initial question is, 
we've already this year, just in the first eight months of 2022, have seen 379 development plans come in for their first review. Um, and that's the most plans filed since 2008. And that was, you know, right before the housing downturn. And that includes over 4,000 new housing units uh, proposed. And that's the most housing units since 2007. And we could, you know, surpass that, go over 5,000 before the end of the year. Um, So, I mean, it's a lot going on. There's been 30 million square feet of warehousing that then our, our local governments have final say in Pennsylvania on land development approvals. So we're advisors to them and to the community as a whole. Um, And we're trusted in that. But then the local governments have final say. But think about that. 30 million square feet of warehousing has been approved then by local governments since 2016. And right now there's another 26 million that is in the proposal and approval pipeline before the region's local governments. And so, you know, we track all of that as one of our our roles um, in the region uh, and so it's really, really been an incredibly busy time. And even with the increase in inflation and the cost of goods and things like uh, staffing shortages, especially on the construction side and, and materials issues and supply chain and all of that, we still have seen an incredible amount of proposed growth as well as actual building associated with that. Becky, can you explain what people mean when they say Pennsylvania is a right-to-develop state? Oh, yes. Okay, so there's this law called the Pennsylvania Municipalities Planning Code, and it tells governments what they can and can't do, and even sets parameters for how public and quasi-public, as well as the nonprofit and for-profit sector, engage in development activities. So it includes everything like zoning, which tells you what you can and can't do on your property, to how you can plan for your communities or not. And so basically, if a local government, because zoning is at the local level, if the local government has land zoned for certain types of uses, let's say a warehouse, or let's say advanced manufacturing, um, and you can differentiate what those two things are, but if you have it zoned for that as a local government, you have to allow that use to occur on that property or those group of properties. And so that's where the term right to develop comes from. And then there's negotiation on what that development can look like amongst the local planning commissions. Huh. All right. Commissioner Brace, I understand you've been working with local legislators to draft legislation that would give some of the power back to municipalities. Can you explain House Bill 2768, please? Sure. In addition to serving as county commissioner, I happen to work on the legislative staff for State Representative Mike Schlossberg, whose district now includes uh, Upper Mukunji, one of the, the municipalities that has seen a great deal of growth over the last several decades. And one of the concerns that we hear from the community and from elected officials um, in those municipal settings is the need to have tools to analyze uh, the impact of development in their community. I, I think we can all understand that development brings with it economic opportunities. Housing development provides us critically needed housing in, the, in our growing region, especially important as we realize how expensive housing has become. 
but municipal officials need to have better tools available to them to take these large mega development projects and understand the impact of approval on their community. You know, what's the cost of traffic? What's the cost of stormwater uh, runoff? What's the cost of pollution and the deterioration of agricultural lands? Municipal leaders, I think, want to have those tools at their disposal. As Becky referenced the municipality planning code, that is a, a constraint on the municipal leader's ability to, to do this kind of investigation and to make sound, informed decisions on behalf of the citizens who elect them. So House Bill 2768 is Representative Schlossberg's legislation to take recommendations that came from the Joint State Government Commission uh, more than 10 years ago and turn it into uh, law that allows those municipal officials to address the mega development projects that are, are significant for the region, not just the municipality. So it's really an opportunity for communities to expand their analysis into the positives and negatives of a proposal. Is that right? Yeah, it's to understand the costs and the benefits. You know, not everything is entirely bad and not everything is entirely good. But to take that information and make a determination based on the good and the bad, municipal officials need those tools available to them. And it's different from the way we're doing it now? I, I think it would be categorized as significantly different than the way things are happening now. right now. Regional significance, uh, you know, the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission evaluates and advises, you know, Becky referenced that, but the tools for the municipal officials to really dive deeper into that aren't present. And when the the planning commission is giving advice, it will often reference the need to dig deeper onto that. But for many of those municipal officials, they've never been given the tools to do it. So, Becky, it seems like this would give you another tool in your toolbox to perhaps put your very complicated puzzles together. Yeah, I mean, not just for the any county planning commission, like the Bi-County Planning Commission, which is the Leah Valley Planning Commission, but it really helps our local governments who don't have a lot of leeway because developments have to be reviewed in a in within 60 days and an answer given back to really look at impact analyses, especially for things like landfills and quarries and warehouses. Um, and that are, you know, those are some of the issues that are some of the land uses that can have um, some of the greatest impact. So I think it's a really important step forward in addressing some of the real life concerns that not only we have here in the Lehigh Valley, but that other places in Pennsylvania are uh, dealing with it as well. Matt, do you think that the people who live in this area are familiar with this House bill and how can they get more familiar with it? I mean, this is going to impact all of us, really. I think they're probably not at all familiar with it. I think it's fairly new. I think uh, Commissioner Brace could probably tell uh, you how to, to become more familiar with it, but I think they could probably just Google House Bill 2768 and you would, you would go right to the House site and, and find it and you could read the bill yourself. Commissioner, this sounds like a pretty big deal. I would say it is a, a pretty big deal, and the, the legislation itself can be found at the Pennsylvania General Assembly's uh, website and simply type in HB 2768. You know, locally, there are a few representatives who have signed on to it, 
I would suggest that if folks um, look at the list of sponsors for the legislation and don't see their state representative listed, they might want to communicate their thoughts on this piece of legislation. I don't think people realize how important this type of legislation is until they see a large warehouse constructed on what was once a farm. And by the time we get to that point, it's too late. This is all about being proactive and planning. And and this is the time, especially as we see some of the projects that um, have been controversial over the last several years, as those projects are coming to fruition, you know, this legislation is an attempt to give the municipalities the tools they need so that the next massive project doesn't become a crisis in their community. They have to be uh, working at this proactively. Well, this is certainly an opportunity for our listeners to dial into what's going on so that they aren't surprised. Becky, it's not intuitive to most people, but I've heard you say that our transportation planning has a lot to do with how we grow and manage growth. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about transportation on this show. Um, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, um, it's really interesting, and this is where you have a connect-disconnect um, with the way that the Pennsylvania Municipalities Plan Code gets that, that's that state law that tells everybody how we have to act on a variety of issues. It, has a partial connection and disconnection on issues of infrastructure. And so, you know, you can, if you're a developer and you say you're putting in like a large housing development or a new school or a big school addition or a a, a new industrial facility, literally local governments, or if it's onto a PennDOT road or there's a county bridge immediately adjacent, they can only ask for very limited amounts of improvements to then ensure that you can get to and from those developments. And and that's why you see those sections of road that are, you know, two lanes wide in each direction for a half a mile or, excuse me, like a quarter mile. And then you get, you know, to the third mile point and it drops back down to a two lane tar and chip uh, semi-rural road. That's because there's limits to that negotiation within the Commonwealth. Um, So that creates all kinds of challenges. And I would absolutely say that beyond transportation, one of our greatest issues in the region is related to areas that have gone from rural to exurban and now are suburbanizing and the massive, massive issues around changing from on-lot well and septic to actual public sewer and water so it can actually support the level of growth that's now happening there, and then stormwater management issues. Obviously, that we're in a valley with amazing topography, which gives us these beautiful view sheds and creates this sort of sacred open space that we all love. However, those uh, ups and downs and 16 watersheds create a lot of runoff when it rains. And as we all know, it will rain. And so, you know, managing that runoff and making sure that our water quality is kept high so we can have clean drinking water and it can support uh, things like trees um, and floodplain management and other things is critically important. Putting all of that together, that giant puzzle together, is really the role of planning and planners 
And so, you know, I hope one of the things that the subtext that came out of, of that answer is, is there's hard infrastructure, there's green infrastructure that can be done through natural plantings and how those interact and interface is going to determine whether we're going to be successful as a region or not. Then you start throwing in these really cool, exciting things that we're all working towards, uh, like building up the electric vehicle charging network and expanding our broadband capabilities and increasing download and upload speeds. And you really see that as a region, we have to come together on these issues if we intend on being successful through the next decade and beyond. Um, But beyond that, we're dealing with that at a time of tremendous growth. So uh, we have to act now. Commissioner, uh, Becky briefly touched on green spaces. Um, I understand Lehigh County's got one of the state's most active farmland preservation programs. Can you talk a little bit about it and why it's been successful? Yeah, um, through March of this year, Lehigh County, since it launched its uh, farmland preservation program, possibly before I was born, uh, probably before I was born, uh, has preserved more than 26,000 acres of farmland in the, the county, a uh, total of 376 farms through that time in, in March. And so I think what makes us successful is uh, a couple of uh, items. We're, we're strategic in allocating the most amount of money that we can to generate the largest match that we can from the state. So the, the county allocates money to farmland preservation easements in which we purchase development rights from the farmers in exchange for that farm being preserved as farmland in perpetuity. And the state matches uh, what we invest in that. A number of municipalities have begun to engage in that investment also. So their investment plus the county's investment plus the state's investment make it possible to preserve farmland for generations to come. We also have some very smart and aggressive staff in county government, in the planning commission, the agriculture uh, extension from the Penn State Cooperative Extension. We've got farmers who are are wonderful partners and see not only the economic value in farmland preservation, but the, the civic value in farmland preservation and how it relates to our quality of life. I think we're also fortunate in that the Lehigh Valley presents for some agricultural activity, some really sound economic output. You know, the, the quality of our growing conditions and our agricultural conditions make it possible for farmland to be an economic business. It's not a, a money loss for those farmers. They have the opportunity to make a good living. And um, if that wasn't possible, all of the conservation easements would be very difficult to manage. You know, the farmland that has been preserved, most of it's in the rural parts of the county. You know, Lynn Township has 112 farms preserved. Allentown, unfortunately, doesn't have any farm preserved. Uh, You know, I I represent the center city in the West End, and we're the only municipality besides Bethlehem without farmland preserved that I can see. But to see that farmland preservation has been uh, so popular through the more rural parts of our county tells me that we are doing something right. Becky, what has the LVPC been doing to help municipalities navigate through this all this development? I mean, you get one, you get a group of people that say, "Wow, there's too many warehouses," and you know, I really don't feel that they have a an idea of how much green space we actually have. How do you answer these questions? 
Sure. Um, and, you know, it, there's a lot of political polarization this, these days uh, all across the country, all, all across the world. I think sure. it's, it's really important that we recognize that we're in a time of great change and to come together and work together on these issues. Because, I mean, everybody's mom and everybody's grandmother told them that it's a lot easier to catch flies uh, with honey than it is vinegar. And so, you know, being involved in, in your local government and doing that in a professional and respectful way is how you come together to collaborate and to solve problems. And I know our local leaders uh, would appreciate that support on a day-to-day basis. But what the LVPC has been doing is, uh, it could take an hour for me to explain it, but I'll try to hit the highlights. Every year, we offer training for our local volunteer zoning hearing board members, paid zoning administrators, uh, local planning commission members, boards of supervisors, borough council, and the public. On uh, We have a general course on community planning, which is like the 101 of how to work on these types of issues in Pennsylvania. It's a great course, just wrapped up last month. We'll be offering it next year. We have one on subdivision and land development and then the zoning issues. We do that in partnership with the Pennsylvania Municipal Planning Education Institute, which is our statewide coordinated professional uh, training that all of the counties uh, utilize to uh, make sure that everyone's being trained on, has quality training on the Pennsylvania Municipalities Planning Code and in a consistent manner. The other thing that we do a lot of is the local technical assistance program. Uh, That's uh, more transportation-based, but we train everything from public uh, works officials to municipal engineers on how to figure out if you need a stop sign or not, and how to to rebuild roads, because that's obviously critical to the growth management conversation. We do that in partnership with the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation and U.S. Department of Transportation. We have our website available at lvpc.org, and then we also take calls all the time. Uh, Whether you're a local official or a community member, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, One of the things that we're extremely proud of is being a resource for the region and to always being available. Um, And then we've been working really closely with our local governments. We've just wrapped up two multi-municipal comprehensive plans. The Nazareth area, their plans were just adopted last month. Uh, All 10 communities involved in that adopted it. We're going into the adoption process starting next week with Northern Lehigh and the six communities there. Um, We've been working with the Slate Belt, 10 communities there. Um, They have their draft and are working towards finalizing that. And then we have a group of six more communities um, right at the the Lehigh River, the Catasauqua, Northampton, borough area in the middle of the Lehigh Valley in both counties that just got their first draft. So why that's important is uh, once all of those are adopted and Southwest Lehigh has an existing plan, so does the Hellertown area, we'll have 32 municipalities out of 62 in a multi-municipal comprehensive plan. And that sets the overall direction for their communities, but it also allows them to coordinate zoning. They can retain their rights individually to do zoning, but what it does is it, it allows them to say, okay, well, community A already has a warehouse development district 
Um, it already has a lot of industrial in it and community uh, B has a lot of high density housing and we have a lot of farmland and communities D, E and F. Um, so uh, how do we balance those uses out? And then it's the only way the only way under the state law through those multi-municipal comprehensive planning efforts that a community can say that they don't have to accommodate every use that you could possibly think of. So it's a great way to not only be a better neighbor and to be able to manage infrastructure because you're going to need more infrastructure in places where you have more people and more business than you do in, let's say, a rural area. But then it helps us manage that uh, in a more constructive way and in a more resilient and sustainable way. So, you know, what aren't we uh, willing to help folks with is, is really how we look at it. At the end of the day, the role of the LVPC is to be a convener, a collaborator, and a real supporter of uh, making sure that the Lehigh Valley remains a great place for everyone. And Matt, plans for 4,074 housing units were filed in the first eight months. Are yes. these uh, mostly single family or townhouses, apartments? Can you give us a little breakdown on uh, how we're going to expand our living opportunities? Well, that's actually been a change over, uh, you know, from previous decades, because in the previous decade, the single family home really dominated the landscape in the Lehigh Valley. And if you look in the 2000s, from 2000 to 2008, it was the really big single-family home. But what's being filed now is actually being dominated by apartments. And there's a diversity of townhouses and single-family homes that are also in there. But the bulk of them, more than half, are apartments. So uh, in, in many ways, that's a good thing because it's a little more affordable and it also puts more units in a smaller space, which is part of growth management. One of the things, too, um, and I want to thank Commissioner Brace and uh, Lehigh County for this in, in particular, um, is we have been working with Lehigh County over the last several years on understanding what the region's housing attainability is. We're in the process of working with them to update that. And then next, early next year, we'll, we'll be actually developing a strategy because we know we're short over 14,000 housing units now. But it's more than just the big number. You know, how many people make X amount of dollars? Do they have housing that they can afford? Where is that housing? Where isn't that housing? Um, and how do we match incomes with the housing stock and attainability while simultaneously increasing production of housing where we need it and without jeopardizing some of our core values as a region, which includes everything from open space protection to farmland preservation. So, you know, where can you support these new units and at what cost? And is there an economic model that allows the private sector to increase that housing stock in a way that's reasonable and responsible? So basically, it's the holy grail of the housing conversation that Lehigh County is going to be working with the LVPC on. And I'm extremely excited about that and grateful to the county for having the foresight to really be willing to tackle this very big and important issue. Commissioner Brace, there's a lot of reason to be optimistic in the Lehigh Valley. Can you comment on that, please? I would say that personally, I, I have a lot of optimism here. Um, I see municipal officials, uh, county officials, uh, even our, our state legislative officials working together in collaborative fashions. I, I don't think anybody walks out of a, a meeting with elected officials in Lehigh Valley without recognizing a shared vision to a high quality of life. 
that's made possible by organizations like the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission, who help to shepherd this vision into reality and give us the tools that we need to do our job. Commissioner Jeff Brace, Chairman of the Lehigh County Commissioners. Thank you very much for being on Plan Lehigh Valley. It's been a pleasure to have you, sir. It was a pleasure to be here. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to discuss these issues. And as always, Becky Bradley, the Executive Director of the Lehigh Valley Planning Commissioner, and Matt Assad, its Managing Editor. Thank you very much for being on Plan Lehigh Valley. I'm your host, Greg Caponia, and this is WDIY 88.1 FM. Have a great evening.